All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to 2 Samuel chapter number 24. Whoops, sorry. 2 Samuel chapter 24 tonight. A little while back, Brother Jedediah was talking to me, and he told me that his daughter, Isabella, she did like a critique on her dad and myself. And what she said was, I always preach out of the Old Testament, and her dad always preaches out of the New Testament. And tonight, I prove her right again because I'm in the Old Testament. But in my defense, this morning, I was in the New Testament, so... It's not always Old Testament. She also said that her dad is really loud at home, but when he gets behind the pulpit, he's a lot quieter. So I don't know if that's true, but that's what she said. And she said, I'm quiet, and then when I get behind here, I'm really loud. So maybe tonight I'll be a little quieter. All right, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 24 tonight. We're going to look at this story, and I'll skip through some of the verses, but uh, we'll pretty much look at the entire chapter and tonight I want to talk about having a sensitive heart because we're going to see in this story tonight that David, he made a mistake and uh, then we'll see his response, how he got right with God. Uh, but starting in verse number one, it says, And again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Now, if you go to, oh, I'm not going to turn there, but if you went to 1 Chronicles chapter 21, it talks about this story too, and I believe that he is Satan that moved David to count the people, because in uh, 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1, it says that Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. So David is going to do this census, and he's going to number Israel, and it's actually going to, it's going to anger God. And at first look at this, we might think that's kind of weird why God would get angry at this. But we're going we're gonna to see what God required of them and, and uh, possibly see the heart that David had while he was doing this. But to begin with, let's start with the word of prayer and just ask for God to bless in the lesson tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this evening and we thank you so much for the chance, Lord, to be in church again tonight. God, I pray that you would help us as we open your word. Lord, we... Help us to be hungry for the Spirit of God to feed us, for the Word of God to feed us. I pray that you would help us as we hear the message that, God, you would give to each individual believer in this room tonight a particular message that you have for them. Lord, I thank you how you can take the Word of God and speak to us on different levels and in different areas of our life. And we pray for that tonight, Lord. Help us all to leave this place, Lord, better, closer to you, and with more of a desire to serve you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, just real quickly, I'll turn over to Exodus chapter 30. Because it's going to show us what God required when they numbered Israel. In Exodus chapter 30, and uh, verse number 11, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number... Then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord, when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them 
when thou numberest them. This they shall give every one that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. So God is asking them, he's, he's telling them, whenever you're numbered, they actually had to give what is called this ransom. They had to pay a half a shekel every man in order to not receive a plague from the Lord. So one of the things that we know from the ancient cultures is when a man would number or count what he had, it was something that belonged to him. So when he numbered it, it was saying, this is mine. I'm taking claim that this belongs to me. Israel did not belong to King David. It belonged to God. So when David decided that he was going to take, take account and do his census, it wasn't just the fact that he was going to do it to see how many people there were. It was out of the pride of David's heart saying, this is my army, my great army that I have right now. I believe that David, when he did this, he had pride in his heart to look at what he had. But the truth of the matter is, it was really God's. And God wanted his people to always remember that. So they didn't even do this, this they didn't do this ransom, and David just did this on his own. Now Joab tried to talk King David out of doing this. In verse number 2, For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said unto the king, Now the Lord thy God add unto the people, how many soever they be, an hundredfold, and that the eyes of my lord the king may see it. And then he says, But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing? Joab is trying to tell him, Look, king, this is why, why do you want to do this? And David, he goes ahead and does it anyway. He's the king, so he has them number the people. By the way, it took them uh, nine months and 20 days to number these people. That would be a long time to get a census here, but that's what they do. It takes them that long. And then in verse number, uh, verse number nine, Joab gave up the sum of the number of the people unto the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men that drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. Look in verse number 10, though. And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. David knew what he had done was wrong. David knew that out of the pride of his heart he had done this. And it actually, it, the Bible says it smote his heart. David realized that he had made a mistake. And then when David had made that mistake, he, he confessed it to God. Now God is going to give him a choice. He's going to give him three choices of what he wants to happen. Because there is going to be judgment that comes. Choice number one would be seven years of famine. Choice number two would be to flee three months before your enemies. And then the last choice would be three days of pestilence in the land. And David, he chooses the last one. He chooses the three days of pestilence because he said, God is more merciful than my enemies, so I would rather be judged by God. When that happens, 70,000 people lose their life. It's pretty amazing. And then God has mercy on him, though. And David is going to build this altar. We're going to look at this near the end. David's going to build this altar and 
get right with God. So the first thing I want to show or look at tonight is how David had a sensitive heart. You see, David's heart, as soon as he had committed this sin, the Bible says that his heart smote him. It convicted him. It bothered him. We can all admit in this room tonight that we make mistakes all the time. But the question is, is our heart sensitive enough to realize when we make a mistake that we need to make it right with God? David, when he said this, he said, I have done very foolishly. So he realized that his mistake was very foolish, that he had sinned against the God in heaven. Our hearts over time can become calloused. Now, as you know, when I think of a man, I don't think of a man as, as being sensitive all the time in my own mind. Even though the more we see men nowadays, they seem to be a, a little bit more in touch with the sensitive side. Uh, <laughs> but in all reality, when it comes to spiritual matters, even a man needs to be sensitive to the Word of God. Um, I'm not a big crier. I don't cry very often. It, uh, you know, it takes, takes something to really bother me. But there is nothing wrong with a person coming before God, even a man, and, and crying to God. You know, we don't have to be ashamed of that. We, we should desire to have a heart that is soft and sensitive to the Word of God. Uh, when I was younger, I mean, a picture of a man was just a man who's, who's strong. He endures it all. He, he doesn't let anything bother him. But I tell you what, if, if, we're, if we're a man, according to what the Bible says, we need to be a man who is sensitive to the Spirit of God in our life. Now, that's not to say that a man should be a sissy, because he shouldn't. He should be a man. There are things that you should not be sensitive on. But when it comes to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, be sensitive to His touch. But I think we could all admit that even if we started out with a sensitive heart, over time, if we are not careful, our heart can become calloused. If you work uh, with, with your hands a lot, you notice that your hands get calloused in certain areas that you, you know, grip something all the time and it becomes hard and, it, it, you know, it's harder to feel in that area once it's calloused. You know how it is. And it's the same in our heart. When our heart gets calloused, we don't necessarily feel the Spirit of God, know the Spirit of God, sense the Spirit of God working like we once did. It's a lot harder to hear Him. And that's not a good place for anybody to be in their life. One of the ways that our heart becomes calloused is when we allow disobedience to stay in our life without confessing it to God. And that's anything. Any small thing that we allow to stay in our life and we don't confess it to God, it can begin to callous your heart where it becomes harder and it's harder to hear God's word. Notice that David's heart was convicted when he realized what he had done. Was there a time in your life where once, whenever you had made a mistake and sinned against God, God convicted your heart, but now you kind of find yourself in a place where you can live days on end? without really coming to God and saying, God, I'm sorry. I made this mistake. God, I, I messed up. God, will you forgive me? We can get there. Another way is if we allow the influence of the world into our lives, into our homes. 
and we listen to those influences, our hearts really can be desensitized to the Word of God. Something, and, and, and you'll know this is true, if, you, if something bothers you, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's, it, it, you know, it's a certain, well, let's, let's think of it this way. Um, when you are in the medical field, let's say you're in the medical field, you, uh, the, let's say you're a surgeon, so you work on people, you cut them open, it's, it's something that you see all the time. The first time this person ever did it, that's probably a little uncomfortable to them, I would think. But after this surgeon has done it over and over and over again, they could probably eat a sandwich while they're working on somebody. It wouldn't bother them. But for us, it would be, oh, gross, I don't want to see that. You see, what happens over time is you kind of get used to seeing it. And you see it a little more, and you see it a little more. And then it's just, you know, this is no big deal. That's fine. This is normal to me. And the same is true spiritually with our sin. At first, sin sometimes, sin will bother you when you have your heart right with God. But if you just kind of allow that sin to stay there, and you live with that sin, over time, your heart's going to kind of get used to that, to where it really doesn't bother you anymore. That's never a good place to be. Never. I was thinking, uh, you know, this morning, uh, Brother Jed and I read from the Psalms about praising the Lord and and David, when we think about David, he was a man who loved to worship God. Music is a very powerful influence in anybody's life. I don't know if you've ever been going through a trial in your life, and you heard a song, and, and through the song, it just uplifted your heart. And God worked on you, and He encouraged you, and it meant so much to you that it was powerful. There's power in music. But guess what? The devil knows the, that truth. And he uses his own music to influence the lives of young people, old people, all kinds of people. He uses that in people's life. Even you as an adult, if you are allowing music or, or you know, whatever it is, things that you're watching into your life, and you think this is never going to affect me, I can watch this, I can listen to this, it's just for entertainment. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. Why are you so worried about it? Because it is desensitizing you. Here's how backwards our world is today. They think that it is harmful for you to teach children about the Word of God. So let's remove religion out of school. It's harmful. We don't want you to pray. We don't want you to read your Bible but yet on the same hand, they're okay. It's okay to let a child listen to this filthy music that has all kinds of, you know, words of violence, words of drugs and immorality. That's okay. But if you teach them the Bible, that's, that's horrible for them. That's how our world thinks. You know what they're doing? They are desensitizing people everywhere. There's so much violence right now. So much violence. And I think, that, and younger and younger, you see children, young teenagers trying to, you know, stab each other, gunshots, it, it, there's violence everywhere. I want to tell you something. One of the reasons, and I'm not saying it's the only reason, one of the reasons, though, is because people are so desensitized that they can do anything right now. That's where you can get. And if we're not careful in our lives... We can find ourselves in the same place where we desensitize ourselves and we don't feel the conviction of God's word 
anymore. There's something wrong with us if we can sit in church service after church service after church service, read our Bible on a daily basis, and God never convicts you of something or speaks to you. There's something wrong with you. And here's the good news. You can make it right tonight. But your heart is hard. Your heart is calloused. As a parent, I think it's so important that we are involved with our children because their hearts, though they're soft and tender when they're young, if, you, if we're not careful, we can just see them start to get calloused and hard by the things of this world. Does it matter what our children listen to? It absolutely does. Does it matter who our children are around? It absolutely does. Because I'm telling you, it can, the world can influence us and cause us to be desensitized. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, this talks about Lot. And it says, For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vex his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So we know Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he had seen the wickedness of these people. And the Bible says that it vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Now, I don't understand why Lot placed his family in that position, but he should have never pitched his tent towards Sodom, and then he should have never went into Sodom, but he did. And there are people, possibly in the church tonight, where you are putting your family in a place where they're being influenced by the world. And you say, it's, never, it's not going to harm us. It's not that big a deal. It's going to be okay. I know what I'm doing. But I'm warning you, if you wait until it's too late and your child's heart is so hard and they're out in the world, it's going to be hard to reach them then. It's going to be hard to, to get them to hear and understand. Listen, our hearts need to be sensitive, but we need to be careful that our children's hearts are sensitive to the Word of God. Don't let your kids... Don't let your kids think it's okay to disobey God. Don't let your kids... Our kids should see that we love God and that we want to make things right with God. Because that's what... That, I mean, that's who they're going to pay attention to. But if we don't take the time to show them the importance, I'm telling you what, there may be one day where you say, it's, man, I wish I would have done things different. But now look at where I'm at. We don't want to get there. So we see that David had a, a sensitive heart. But then secondly, I want to show you that David, he took responsibility for his actions. He said, I have done wrong. I have sinned. I have done this thing. Now God allowed him to choose the punishment, and he, like I said, he chose the pestilence. Do you guys ever uh, allow your children to choose the punishment that they get? I've never done that, I don't think. Maybe I should try that. You give them three options. This is what you get. Let them choose. <laughs> and if they say, oh, I don't like this punishment, you say, you chose it. <laughs> but God, he, he gave David this opportunity. And when David picked it, I mean, yes, God had mercy. Yes, God. But it, was still, it was, still wasn't a good punishment. Um, look in verse number 17 with me. So the 70,000 had been slain by the pestilence. 
And then in verse number 17, David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. Now David, he's taking responsibility here and he says, God, no more on these people. If you're going to take out your punishment, take it on me. I am the one who's to blame here. Sometimes it's hard to admit when we make mistakes. Sometimes it's hard to admit when we've done wrong. But it's always a good thing to do. And I think, once again, I think our children need to see parents who admit when they're wrong. I think it's hard to admit when you're wrong to your kids. It's hard to admit when, when you're wrong to your spouse. Probably just to anybody, isn't it? It's hard to say, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I was wrong. Sometimes, sometimes it's easier, for me anyway, because normally if I do something wrong, then I, it causes a chain reaction. And, you know, and then your wife, she gets mad at you, and she's going to do something wrong too. And then I'm going to say, look at what she did to me. So instead of me just admitting, look, I, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Whether she's right or wrong, that doesn't matter. I did wrong. I want, to, I want to confess that. I want to admit that. And the same is true, you know, with our kids. A secret to all you uh, children out there. Your parents are not perfect. They're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. And I know that, young people, you think that you are perfect. That everything you do is right. But I want to tell you something. Everybody's wrong. We all make mistakes. And the way that we move on, the way that we make things right, is by admitting what we have done. And saying, look, I'm the one who did this. Don't you think it's good for a child to see a mom and dad? And look, even if it's not that we did something wrong to our children, maybe we've allowed something in our home that we shouldn't have. You know what you should do with your children? You should set them down and say, listen, I know that we've done this. I know that we've accepted this and this has been in our home. But we were wrong because God told us that we shouldn't do this. So we're going to make things right tonight and this is what we're going to do. That shows a child how they should act toward God. Because guess what? We're not perfect. We're not perfect. And we shouldn't pretend that we are. We should make things right when we know we're wrong. But it takes humility. It takes humility for, for, for you to admit to your spouse, look, I messed up here. I'm sorry. To your child. Even to people within the church. It takes humility. Sometimes in the church things happen. We know they do. And instead of just letting things get out of control and continue to spread and get worse, you know what the best thing to do is to go to somebody and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. God honors humility, but he will never honor pride. Never. You say, I, you know, I'm just going to... God will never honor your pride. In fact, if you continue in your pride, God will give you a promise. And the promise is this. He's going to bring you low one day. He's going to take care of your pride. You say, I'm, I'm just going to keep going the way I am. And you can. But that doesn't mean that God is just going to look away from it. He's going to meet you one day, and then you're going 
you're going to wish that you had humbled yourself because God will humble you. Humility is so important in any relationship that we have. God honors the broken heart. God honors the heart that says, I've been wrong, Lord. Will you please forgive me? God is so loving tonight. He's such a good God. You know, there's so many things that I, even in my own life, that I've done that have not been right. And I, I'm just thankful that I can come to God and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, will you forgive what I have done? I messed up. And he's so good to forgive us. So God, so we see first that uh, uh, David had a sensitive heart. Then he took responsibility for his actions. Now let's look at uh, how determined David was to make things right with God. So um, he went to this, this threshing place, this field. And this man named Arana, we'll call him that. That sounds good, right? Good enough for me. That's a weird looking name. So here's this, uh, here's this man named Arana. And the Bible says that he went out to meet him. And Arana bows down before David the king. And David tells him what's going on. That he wants to, to have this place. And he wants to build this altar here. And uh, let's look in verse number 22. And Arana said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up that seemeth good unto him. Behold, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. So this man says to David, I'm going to give you everything. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. Verse 23, All these things did Arana as a king gave unto the king. And Arana said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. So, what he's, so really what he's saying here is, look, I want to give you this. God's going to accept this. In verse number 24, David answers back. And the king said unto Arana, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now when I read that verse... I see inside of David this heart that really appreciates who God is. He, you see, David said, listen, I could have this for nothing. I, you could give this to me, and it would cost me nothing. But David in his heart said, I feel wrong sacrificing to God something that cost me nothing. Now, David had, he had messed up in a way that cost a lot of people their life. So he made, he made a mistake that really upset God. And he's going to get right with God here. And I, and I think that when we look at this verse tonight, we can see inside of David, he did not want to give God just the bare minimum, but he wanted to make things right, and he wanted to give God his best. David could have accepted that. David could have just received it and been fine with it. And I'm sure it really didn't hurt David to pay this price because he was the king. But I appreciate David's heart when he said, I am not going to give a sacrifice to God when it costs me nothing. And tonight, I think that when we make things right with God, sometimes it's going to cost us something to make things right. Sometimes it's going to cost. 
Sometimes we get out so far and we drift so far astray that coming back to God may cost us a little bit. And the question that I have to you tonight is how important is your relationship to God? How important is your relationship to the God of heaven? Would you do anything to make it right tonight? You say, I've went astray for a while now. My heart is calloused. I've been living on my own. I've been living for myself. How could God ever take me back? Listen, God wants to take you back. But you've got to make things right. And it might cost. It might be painful. It might, it, might, it might be a road that is not easy for you to get on, but it's the right road. Hopefully tonight, the majority of us, if not all of us, are in a place where we're keeping our sins confessed, where we're keeping our hearts right with God. But if you're not, I want to tell you tonight, God is here for you. And you may be causing a lot of pain to your family, you may be causing a lot of pain to your, your, to your children, to your spouse, because of the road that you're on. Get it right tonight. David caused a lot of pain, didn't he? I think he did. He caused a lot of pain. I'm sure there were a lot of, there were a lot of families that were affected by David's disobedience. And the same is true in our lives. When we stray away from God and go on the wrong path, we cause a lot of pain. And we don't always realize it. We don't always understand it. But if you are walking away from God, then you're going to cause pain to your family today. You're going to cause suffering to your family. Don't you want to get it right tonight? Don't you want to make things right between you and God? Do you, how much do we really value our relationship with the Lord? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get back to that place? In verse number 25, the Bible says, David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. David made it right. And God turned his wrath away from Israel. Tonight, maybe you've been in a place where you know has been wrong. And you want to get back to the right path tonight. Let me tell you this. Your heart may be callous, but the first thing you need to do is to admit that you are wrong. And then you need to come back to God and determine no matter what it costs you, you're going to make it right. No matter what. That's a hard thing for some of us to deal with. To say, God, no matter what it's going to cost me, I want to make things right with you tonight. But I tell you what, God will honor that. And you will be so glad that you turned your life over to the Lord. Because, you know, running from God is never a good place to be. We might enjoy it for a while. We might get some, some thrills out of it. It might seem good. But I'm telling you what, at the end of the day, it's not going to be good. It's going to be heartache and pain. So tonight, I just wanted to take this little bit of time and, and focus on the life of David. We know that David made mistakes. But one thing I love about David is to see when he gets things right with God and he straightens up and he, and he, and he, tur and he turns back to the Lord. Sometimes David, he had a bad habit of 
not doing it right away. We know with Bathsheba, that's what he did. He spent quite a while away from God. But in this instance, as soon as he had done that, and they had given him that number, his heart was convicted. Tonight, has it been a while since God's convicted your heart? I want to tell you, if, if you are not being convicted of your sins, shown the error of your ways when you hear preaching or read the Bible, I would pray to God tonight, God, my heart is hard. Will you break it up tonight? Will you make me sensitive again? Maybe you tonight, through this, the Spirit of God has convicted you and you know you've been running away from God tonight. Don't run anymore. Turn around. Come back to Him. Say, God, I've messed up. Tell your family. If you, you know, even in your family, you know how wonderful your family life could be if you go to your family tonight and say, listen, guys, I've been running from God. I've made mistakes, but I want to get back on the right path. God's going to bless you. I mean, your family's going to be blessed. Let's not allow the devil to keep us where we're at and just keep dragging us down. That's what he wants to do. Like I said, if you were to turn to 1 Chronicles, you see that the devil really was the one driving David to do this, and he fell into that temptation. The devil just wants us to keep us away from God, but make things right tonight. See how God can bless your family, your marriage, your relationship within the church. He can do wonderful things. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'll say a word of prayer here in a moment, and then we'll have a time, just a few moments of invitation. Wherever you're at tonight, you could, you could come to the altar, you could pray at your seat. Wherever you're at in life, I just encourage you, keep your sins confessed. Keep your heart right with God. It's never worth it to, to drift off astray and to, to follow your own path. But God is always there ready to, to forgive us if we just come back to him and humble ourselves. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much tonight for your love. God, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I know that you are a holy and just God and that there are times in our lives, Lord, when we receive punishments and things that, that for, what we've, for how we've lived, Lord. But I thank you that you're merciful and that you're kind and loving. Lord, I pray tonight for anybody who has gone astray, Lord, anybody who is just becoming callous in their heart, that, God, you would help them to see that and that you would lead them back to the path that is right, Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.